And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. You know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. It's a big football weekend, and I won't see any of it. What? Well, I may see some of it, but uh, why? Why the, not? The important game I won't see. Oh yeah, yeah. Why? I'll be sleeping to come into the show on Sunday night. Oh, okay, all right. The, the Dolphins yeah. play the Bills. Yeah, so, wow. For the division. Oy. And Buffalo could be the second seed, or not in the playoffs at all. And a second seed means they would play. If they won in the playoffs, they'd played two home games in a row. Mm-hmm. And so, but uh, did you see the thing where was it vivid? Uh, whatever, whatever. One of the the uh, the the ticket places mm. has projected there will be more Bills fans at the Miami game in Miami. Didn't they say? Did you say off the air the other day they projected something like fifty five percent Bills, fifty two percent? Okay. Of of the people there will be Buffalo fans, forty eight percent Miami fans. Now you made a great point though earlier in the show because we've been talking about this a lot off here. <laughs> it's just fascinating to look at that. Not the games in Miami for somebody who lives in Buffalo yes. in the winter. <laughs> Why not? That's a good vacation. Uh, my my buddies were sending me, and I did see a a. Uh, a couple of picture pictures from the airport yesterday. Mm. It was absolutely mobbed. Yeah. I mean, it was mobbed, wow. unbelievably yeah. mobbed with, with everybody in Bill stuff huh. going to Miami. And I'm yeah. thinking, I mean, because here's the thing. I mean, I, I, you know, again, I've lost a lot of interest in sports as I've gotten older. There's been a variety of different reasons. You know, I still root for the home team and hope that they're going to win. If I can watch a game, I'll watch it. I'm not as invested as I used to be. Yeah. But where is this disposable income coming from? That's my well, actually. That's my question. Yeah. Where is that coming from? But the other thing is, and then I said to you, I said, well, it is January, and you have you have 
justification to pull off that credit card and go to Miami because well, you're supporting your home team. That's because if you're, you know, if, if you're a, a big fan and you're thinking about vacation at some time in the year, thinking, all right, wait a minute. This is a big game. It's in Miami. Why not just treat this as the vacation, at least one of the vacations for the year? Well, it's an interesting thing. I don't know. I mean, because I don't pay as much attention as I used to, but it's uh, I, it happened a couple of years ago, and it was at uh, in in Nashville when the Titans were playing the Bills, mm. and it sounded like a home game for the Bills. Yeah, mm. and the you know uh, the people the people of Nashville and the media and the team were extremely ticked off, and they started talking about you know. And this is something that that uh, happens, and I know in other sports, you know, that may have close proximity. If the one team isn't doing well, and you're playing a team that's only fifty or hundred miles away, and you're doing extremely well, you'll ha- you'll basically have a home game. It happens in the NHL a lot, in the National Hockey League. Yeah. And but uh, it happened uh, if you when uh, I did see just part of the the bills against the chargers a couple of weeks ago in, in los angeles when i turned it on i was like is this this isn't a home game this isn't this isn't highmark stadium where the bills play right what's going on here right the bills the, the, I, it sounded like there were more bills fans and charger fans and then it happened in new york when they played the jets earlier this mm. year i think mm-hmm. it was the jets or was it the giants mm. it was the giants and it sounded like it was a home game and and that's that's my train of thought. It's like, wow, they're loyal fans. My second my second thought: Where did they get this expendable income from? Because yeah. remember, you're talking about getting a hotel room late, it's a couple of days' notice, right? You know, think about it in Miami, which right now, uh, you think about, you know, people from the north. When are they going to be in Florida? January. Yeah. So hotel rooms are extremely expensive. Then the ticket you're buying, you know, you're you're rebuying the ticket. You're paying a premium price. The other day, I think the yeah. average ticket was three hundred and eleven bucks. Wow! So you've got a late plane flight, mm-hmm. which is going to cost you mm-hmm. late hotel uh, hotel room reservation. How are you and, not and, taking a day off work? At least one day, right? Oh yeah, you're taking a couple. Well, most people were on the plane uh, yesterday and Wednesday. So okay. people are taking, yeah. you know, yeah. three, four, five days off of work. Mm-hmm. And if you're going with someone, I mean, you're, ta- you're, you're talking, you know, maybe, and you haven't even got into dinner and the parties and everything else, you're probably talking three to four grand. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot yeah. of money. Yeah. Well, that's a good, that's a yeah. healthy vacation budget for sure. Yeah. And you so, uh, but yeah. I just, I, I just, I find, I just find that interesting. And then. A lot of teams try to solve that problem by saying that if you want to, if you want to, uh, you know, sell your ticket, resell your ticket, mm-hmm. it can only be sold to somebody in a particular zip code, which would be close to where you are. Hmm. Some teams have done that. I don't know what happened to that. Mm-hmm. I thought you would hear more on that this year, and I didn't hear anything about it. Again, I haven't yeah. paid that yeah. much attention to sports, though. All right. But I just think that's really interesting. But hmm. uh, yeah, I guess really that's the only. That's the uh, that'll be the last game of the regular season. Will be Sunday night. Okay, and we'll decide that. So that'll be fun. And 
I'm glad I'm sleeping through it because I'd probably be too nervous. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you would be. I'm not. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. You know something, though? We talked about the whole thing about being al- you know, being lonely. Yeah, right. Well, I'm never I'm I'm alone, but I'm a lot of times, but I'm not lonely. Mm-hmm. But I can't handle watching any sports team that I root for. I cannot handle watching it alone. I have to watch it with other people. Right. <laughs> I get too angry. Yeah, I get, I get wait to, if I'm with other you're people. You're more tempered if someone else is in the room. Yeah. That's one thing about sports. You wait until can, after they leave to break the TV, you know. <laughs> well, now, <laughs> now there's no problem. You know, you can get a you get a 65-inch TV for 300 bucks, <laughs> And you have a whole closet full of them just for Bill's games. <laughs> <laughs> Throw a couple of rocks at it. It's only 300 bucks. It's not like, do you remember when they first came out? The, remember the plasma TVs? Yeah. You, yeah. If you wanted a, Oh, yeah. I remember if you want like a, I remember seeing a 32-inch plasma TV. Because there was plasma and then what came next? I forgot. It was plasma and there was the other one. I can't think of what the name of it was. But a 32-inch was like five grand. 32-inch TV. Yeah, right. You know, now I've got, I don't have big walls in my house. Mm-hmm. And so I only, even a 65-inch TV didn't fit. Yeah. So a 55-inch. I've got a massive wall so I can, one wall that's perfect in the living room. I don't ever, uh, I did over the holiday break, uh, Christmas time. My oldest daughter came over. Uh, it was actually Christmas night. Came over and we watched John Wick three, great Christmas movie. And uh, <laughs> it's it's rare that I go out there on the big TV though and watch movies. And uh, but I wanted to get in the holiday spirit. So. How big is that TV? Uh, that TV out there is seventy, and I think we're going to go bigger. It doesn't take up. A third of that wall. All right, because my one of my buddies has a my buddy Jeff. I think it's seventy five inches, and they're like, "Well, we're thinking of going bigger." Well, no, my brother in law had at one time. I don't. I'm certain he doesn't have it anymore. But I, 
I want to say 110 inch. It was the biggest. It was like the, the biggest TV wow. that you could get. And he put it in his basement. And my sister said, well, the only problem is, is in the basement, there's not a lot of room to, you know, to go back with the couch, right? You have to put it on the opposite wall, but you're only so far back, so you can't. So if you're watching a movie, your head's turning like you're watching a tennis match, you know? <laughs> well, the, the one thing, my buddy who had the 75, and he's had that for like five, six years. Yeah. And he told me, he goes, yeah, we're thinking of going bigger. Bigger? You know, uh if a football game's on, you look at the head of a football player, and it's bigger than in real life. Yeah. That's how big the screen is. Yeah. So, was it, maybe no. it was the 98-inch, or or maybe it was the, I don't know, there's a, Hisense makes a 120. I want to say it was, 100 and, it was 110. Maybe it was 120. It was something really stupid. When I got my the 55-inch, I was like, okay, that's big enough. And yeah, now one, I look, it was 110. Yeah. Now, now I go over to everybody else's house, and it's like I go back to mine, I'm like, my TV is tiny, and it's 55 inches. No, I mean, that's it. Well, a 40-inch is like, oh, that's cute. You're going to put that in the bathroom? I mean, <laughs> you know? There's, and, that's, that's my closet TV. Yeah, we just we just got an RV, and it's got a TV in it, and I'm like, yeah, that's, I don't know that I can even see that screen. It's probably 32 inches. Now, when in my room, in, in our in our in our main bedroom, we have a 32-inch TV, but it's mounted on, on the wall and swings out, like, right over the end of the bed. So it's right there. It's right in front of you. You know, and I we primarily use it uh, sometimes movie night, but primarily I'm using it during the day if if I'm watching news stories on, on YouTube or something is breaking and everything else like that. Um, so it's not you – know, I, I just don't put that much into the – the TV itself, you know, I just need mm-hmm. to see what's going on, um, you know, but it is strange when you go, when I go out into the living room, I watch the big one. I'm like, oh, this is much better. Well, I'll tell you for me, though, the 55 inch is definitely adequate because what I found out is most important to me was and I never really had it till a really great surround sound system. Mm-hmm. I did have the Bose 321, which was just the the, uh, uh, you know, the two tweeters that they had and then yeah. the the. Uh, that came out in about in like 2000. Right. And I had right. that one for the longest. And I thought it sounded really good. And then my buddy Jerry is the one last year. Mm. No, it would have been, I'm sorry, we're to 24 now. Mm. Would have been in 22. I visited him. He said, you're going to come visit me. And then you're going to end up within the next few months buying the surround sound system that I have. Mm. And yeah, it was okay. a little more than I yeah. wanted to pay for it, but mm. it was worth it. And it's the... Yeah. The, uh, the 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 Sonus surround sound system with the wireless back speakers. Right, right. Unbe- I mean, un- you're there. There mm-hmm. is no reason. And I will tell you this. I, I think over the long run, I'll save money. Should I go to the concert? No, I've got three of that, three concerts of that band that are on YouTube in perfect uh, 8K mm-hmm. uh, with 5.1 you know, surround sound. Mm-hmm. I don't need to go. Mm-hmm. Sporting events. Don't well, I don't get any sports. I right. I, I do have a predicament though, because over vacation, as I told you, uh I wanted to watch. It's like, okay, it was January uh, January first. Let's watch the football games. You, you turn on actual television, it's like one game. Yeah. Where one football go? game. Right. There was nothing else on the entire nothing. Right. No other sports on CBS, ABC, NBC, or Fox. Right. And I'm like, well, 
I'm going to have to stay busy because this isn't going to cut it. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch sports sometime, but I don't want to pay for it. I don't want to pay for ESPN. Uh, well, no, that's I, I what's becoming. It's like everything plus, right? Yeah. It's like, well, if you just subscribe to HGTV plus, no, giving you 25 bucks a month. You know, I saw something the other day. It was one of those, who would subscribe to that? It, well, one of the, uh, in fact, great examples of my point really is Paramount Plus. Now you see Warner Brothers and Discovery yeah. uh, in talks maybe to, you know, to absorb Paramount Plus, the, the merger. Uh, but really, Paramount Plus has not been winning at all in the in the streaming game. You know, and they've had some pretty good shows on. Uh, uh, Taylor Sheridan has, I don't know, three mm-hmm. shows on Paramount Plus. And so, you know, you and plus the entire, everything, the entire library of, of what they own under that Paramount umbrella. But it's not a given. That's the thing is that you, when you say Paramount Plus, it doesn't relate to people that, look, it's these properties, those properties, no, you're that right. property. No, when you say, right. you know, like it or not, uh, Disney Plus, you go, okay, I know what Disney is. Well, you think you know what you're getting. Well, that exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, until you stay in the room and watch it with your kids. <laughs> you remember the first thing in your mind is what the old brand was. Well, that's it. But but then I think people were probably a lot of people to that point I was making about Paramount Plus surprised at, oh, they also own Marvel, Star Wars, the Muppets and all these other properties. But it's not, again, even still, it's not a given because you're asking more and more, well, yeah, but we're going to start putting commercials in unless you're willing to pay even more. Amazon Prime, the end yep. of the month. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, Netflix has gone multi-tier. I mean, all of this, you know, is, is like, you're okay, you guys are building out basically the cable world that everybody left. And... There's not really one destination for in terms of any streaming property that's going to fulfill the entire household in most cases. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, Disney Plus, all right, that may take care of the kids and, you know, a couple of uh, adolescents in the family. And if, if you're not watching, okay, that's fine. Netflix, yeah. um, Amazon Prime, because you can rent movies on Amazon Prime, is different, but it gets more and more expensive. And then, you know, the and but you have a dual purpose for that membership. And that's to get, you know, things delivered and everything else. But how long before that's a value or no longer a value uh, for people to pay that kind of price? You know, I'm just, I'm, it, it, I'm getting to that point where I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't use that a lot. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not using that a lot, then I'm not paying for it. You know, I'm not going to keep it because I might use it or and, I used to use it. Yeah. And 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 for me, um, you know, it just happened to be, you know, we had a lot of time off. And so when yeah, the time I got yeah, to January right. 1st, it's one of those rare times where I said, OK, what's on TV? Right, like right. this, I already know what I'll watch this weekend. If it's on, I believe it will be. I believe it'll be on network TV, right. uh, the uh, the golf, the golf tournament uh, in Hawaii. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. It's on Maui, and it's just oh, the the yeah. 
I don't even watch it for the golf. I watch it because <laughs> yeah. if it's cold out, yeah. it's it's like I'm in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, that's like me watching anything with Alaska in it. If Alaska's in the title, okay, I'll watch, watch it. it. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what the show is about, but that's I okay. love the cinematography. That, right, eight six six ninety Red Eye. This morning's USDA Farm Report is brought to you by Howes Products, tested, trusted, guaranteed since nineteen twenty. Drought coverage continues to decrease on the net per the latest U.S. drought monitor for the period ending January 2nd. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey. When we started the month of December, we had 36% of the lower 48 states experiencing drought. That number has dropped modestly to 33% by the time we reach the first map of the 2024 year. Within the two highest drought categories, extreme and exceptional. We saw a drop from 8 to 6% during that same five-week period between November 28th and January 2nd. We also saw approximately a halving of the D4 category, exceptional drought, from just over 2% to just over 1%. Rippey says although the change overall in drought coverage shows improvement, there are still some areas of the nation recording deteriorating drought conditions. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. This report brought to you by Cenex Fuels and Loops. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up on the bottom of the hour, how we know that Democrats know that DEI is racist mm. and it's not what the American public wants. We'll get to that coming up here uh, in uh, in just a little bit. Still laughing, though, at the headline. Boston Globe column denies that American colleges are left-wing hotbeds, not indoctrinating students. We are to the point, as we've said, Democrats and led left have been back into the wall on every issue now. Yeah. Because reality has either hit it or it's out in the open where they're willing right. to argue it. Right. They've got, they've got, there's a problem for liberalism over the next 10 years because they can't tell you the truth. The Bonus Show. And he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and listen when and where you choose. If you can't listen live overnight to one of our great radio station affiliates, and thanks to all of our great radio stations that uh, carry us, we are privileged to have to be on so many great radio stations yeah. uh, around the uh, the country. You know, one of the things that you and I've talked about is some of the best, some of the people right now that are best in uh, articulating against the liberal positions uh, and promoting uh, conservative ideas that at one point conservatives and liberals shared the same opinion on things like freedom of speech mm-hmm. and, and freedom of religion and things like that. I mean, there, there were things that, they agreed on, but the people articulating 
right now some of, I think, the best ideas and debate points are Democrats. And we've talked yeah. about this. Yeah. The Barry Weiss from the New York Times. I said, I said, I wasn't, she's not a plural. <laughs> the Barry Weisses. <laughs> uh, the, the, the Barry uh, Weiss and, and uh, you know, she's done some, she's done some great stuff. She really has. Yeah. And we've talked about Michael Schellenberger and Matt Taibbi and Jonathan Turley. Another uh, Democrat who actually left the Brookings Institute, the liberal think tank, and went to the American Enterprise Institute. Because he believed that, and, the, and the, this person believed that uh, at the American Enterprise Institute, they wanted to debate the truth. Yeah. That you can't start debate, you can't sit there and, okay, our, our think tank or whatever, we are going to start the discussion based on something that is false. And I think that's what you see happening, and you and I have talked about this, when you have all these former liberals who now at times can sound more urgent and and, and I think more passionate on where they believe liberalism is taking us than even Republicans, I think that they're a microcosm of the number of people that are having those thoughts going through their heads which are a lot of independents and even moderate Democrats. The person I'm talking about is uh, Roy uh, Teixeira, uh, who, lifelong Democrat, uh, used to work uh, a lot uh, in think tanks with the you know Clinton people and everything else and mm. became a part of the American Enterprise uh, Institute think tank a few years back and said, why? Because there, everything is open. And in, Demo in Democratic circles and Democrat think tanks, you cannot, you must. And the whole thing of a think tank is to look at what the, the, the world is like, what society is like, and come up with, you know, the solutions that work. And he goes, you can't do that in Democrat think tanks anymore. The narrative is what matters no matter what the truth is. Well, he... Uh, He's got a website called The Liberal Patriot, mm -hmm. and he wrote this yesterday. And I'm, I can't read the whole thing. It's too long, but I want to read a couple of paragraphs out of it because I think it's worth it. Mm. Democrats, time to re-embrace merit, free speech, and universalism. And he writes, Claudine Gay is out as president of Harvard. It's tempting for Democrats to simply ascribe her fall to the nefarious activities of the right and, of course, to racism as Gay herself alleges in her uh, resignation letter. If so, no rethinking of Democratic positions is necessary. Just a ringing affirmation of the party's noble commitment to, well, diversity, equity, and inclusion. That would be a mistake. In truth, Gay owed her position to her race, gender, and importantly, her role as a DEI enforcer. Her body of academic work is thin, undistinguished, and, as we, as we now know, riddled with instances of plagiarism. As the Dean of Arts and Sciences at Harvard, her position prior to becoming president, Gay presided over a DEI 
regime where dissenters from the reigning orthodoxy were enthusiastically punished, including the evolutionary biologist Carol Hooven for publicly asserting that there were only two biological sexes and also they went after the brilliant young economist Roland Fryer. Fryer, like gay, is black. But unlike gay, who grew up in a comfortable middle-class household headed by two professionals and attended great schools, Fryer came from a broken home, living on and off with his alcoholic father and crack-dealing relatives, and was involved in the gang life. But he overcame all that to become a profoundly original economist who won the John Bates Clark Award for the best economist under 40 with innumerable path-breaking papers to his name. As Glenn Lowry observed, his research appends many commonly held assumptions about race, discrimination, education, and police violence. It is tremendously creative, rigorous, and consequential scholarship, and it cannot be simply written off because it happens to challenge the status quo. But the status quo challenging aspect of his work was not well-received around Harvard, especially when he published a meticulous study of police use of violence and found police no more likely to shoot blacks than whites in police-civilian interactions and another study that found that viral incidents of police violence followed by investigations typically led to police pullback and a large increase in felonies and homicides, mostly of black victims. When a dubious sexual harassment claim was brought against Fryer, Gay's bureaucracy pounced, and despite findings that rejected the charges against him, it was deemed appropriate to go beyond the recommended punishment of sensitivity training for inappropriate sexual banter to suspend him for two years without pay and shut down his incredibly productive lab. Gay reportedly wanted to go further and revoke his tenure. And, you know, goes through, you know, the, the you know, Gay's role and everything else in, in, uh, in DEI and talked about the fact of there is a better way, rather than defending the likes of Gay, why not just go back to what Democrats have traditionally stood for? Let's take merit, merit, for example. Mm-hmm. Democrats traditionally believe that discrimination should be opposed and dismantled and resources provided to the disadvantaged so that everyone can fairly compete and achieve. Rewards, job opportunities, promotions, commissions, appointments, publications, school slots, and much else would then be allocated on the basis of which person or persons deserve these rewards on the basis of merit. But Democrats have lost interest in this approach. Merit and objective measures of achievement are now viewed with suspicion as the outcomes of a hopelessly corrupt system So rewards should instead be allocated on the basis of various criteria allegedly related to, quote, social justice. Instead of dismantling discrimination and providing assistance so that more people have the opportunity to acquire merit, the real solution is to worry less about merit and more about equal outcomes equity in our times. 
Well, ordinary voters don't buy this approach. They believe in the idea of merit, and they believe in the ability to acquire merit and attendant rewards if given the opportunity to do so. To believe otherwise is insulting to them and contravenes their common sense about the central role of merit in fair decisions. As George Orwell put it, one has to belong to the intelligentsia to believe things like that. No ordinary man could be such a fool. This is shown by the public's view on racial preferences. To put it simply, they are very, very unpopular. Harvard-Stanford University of Texas SCOTUS poll found 69% of the public agreeing that private colleges and universities should not be able to use race as a factor in admissions, compared to 31% who thought these institutions should be able to do so. For public colleges and universities, 7426. Pretty definitive. Now, this I want to, want to get to because this is really interesting, the, the polling here. Or take this time series question from Gallup. Which comes closer to your view about evaluating students for admission into a college or university? Applicants should be admitted solely on the basis of merit, even if that results in a few minority students being admitted, uh, or an applicant's racial or ethnic background should be considered to help promote diversity on college campuses, even if that means admitting some minority students who otherwise would not be admitted. In the most recent results, it's quite typical. 70% favored the merit-only approach. 26% endorsed the need to admit less qualified students on the basis of race. Americans, whether Democrats are willing to admit it or not, basically approve of merit when it comes to college admissions. And what was the other one here that I saw that was just mind-boggling? The uh, the the numbers here. Uh, oh, it was the it was they had a number there that was just through the roof. Mm. Uh, I can't find it here at the moment, but it was like ninety percent when it came to how they asked a, you know, asked a question. But they go to free speech. They go to everything here where they say the vast majority of Americans completely disagree with Democrats, that Democrats have to change. But what they do, what they try to do is they try to stall. And the stalling is, for example, critical race theory or being a racist and simply calling yourself an anti-racist. We've seen this. Well, and and it is a series of throwing down gauntlets. These, you know, and, and that's it. Um, let's. All right, we're going to just, boom, this is going to be a new part of the agenda, part of the process. Uh, and, and you know, with critical race theory, it is we're going to implement this into the curriculum in public schools. And once implemented, if done so without a challenge, which didn't happen, but if they were able to implement that without a challenge, then what would it be? Well, it would be essentially you're, you're, you're teaching facts. If it's accepted by the society that it's okay to teach it in schools, then we accept it as the truth and pass it on to other generations. But, of course, that was rejected. Oh, and they talk about affirmative action uh, in California back mm. a few years ago. Yeah. When that failed, 57 to 43 yeah. percent, even right. though 
uh, the uh, uh, proposition. Uh, let me see. Uh, supporters of the measure outspent opponents 10 to 1. It still failed 57 to 43. Right, right. Said why? Very simple. Most voters, especially working class voters, think racial preferences are not fair and fairness is a fundamental part of their world outlook. Right. They actually believe with Martin Luther King Jr. that people should not be judged by the color of their skin, mm. but by the content of their character. Here it is. Mm. In a uh, recent University of California uh, Dornsife survey, this classic statement of colorblind equality was posed to respondents. Our goal as a society should be to treat all people the same without regard to color or skin. This statement elicited 92% agreement from the public, despite the assaults on this idea from critical race theory and the likes of Ibram X. Kendi and large sectors of the Democratic left. It is fascinating in a fascinating related finding, the researchers found that most people who claim to have heard of critical race theory believe critical race theory includes this colorblind perspective. Mark Cuban. Mm, yeah. There right. you go. Yep. Mark Cuban yesterday proving he's completely ignorant about what DEI is in colleges and many corporations today. Right. So this is a Democrat here and a lifelong Democrat who sees every. You and I, this could be you and I talking yep. five years ago on yep. this. Yep. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. One of our listeners sent a great thing. We had talked yesterday and then today also about Mark Cuban getting involved in uh, with uh, Elon Musk on on a on a Twitter X, whatever it is, yesterday, mm-hmm. on saying, "Well, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion. Who would be against that?" And we said, "Mike," and we asked a question yesterday: Is Mark Cuban just is he plain stupid, or is he really that ignorant? And, you know, about what, you know, DEI is in colleges today and and how the words and the definitions have changed. (laughs) Christopher Rufo wrote this. Mark Cuban needs to think beyond euphemisms. His support of DEI is like hearing about re-education camps and thinking, great idea. I support education and I love camping. Wow. (laughs) Wow. That's a great response. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. 
Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.